Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to Beyond the Noise, the podcast series from PR Week. I'm Frankie Oliver, your host and founder of New Society. And this week I am joined by Joanne Robertson, CEO of Global Markets at Ketchum, Sanjani Shah, Global Head of PR for The Body Shop, and Joe Carr, co-founder of Hope and Glory and the newly appointed president of Women in PR. Hello to you all. Hello. Hi. Hi. So this week it's International Women's Day and we wanted to get the views of these highly accomplished women on gender equality and how it's faring in the communications industry. Where I'm afraid to say the gender pay gap is still running at around 20% across the big agencies. And Antonio Guterres, Secretary General of the UN, said today that we are 300 years away from gender equality. So let that be our starting point. Deeply depressing starting point. (laughs) So um, first to you, Joanne, you know, really... How are you feeling? I mean, there's so much that happened, obviously, during the COVID era, especially around shifts in flexible working. Where do you think we really are now post-COVID on gender equality? And have things got better, worse, or is the jury still out, would you say? I think it's a complex picture. And it's easy to look at, you know, COVID and then the post-COVID era, either with rose-tinted glasses, that it transformed things and how wonderful it is now that flexible working's more mainstream. Or you can look at it from the other perspective to the point you just made that we still are 300 years away from any sort of equality. In my opinion, you know, COVID did two things. We talk a lot about COVID really unleashing flexible working, but it's important to know that flexible working isn't enforced working from home, which essentially what COVID was. That's just a different version of enforced working from the office. And actually flexibility and hybrid is exactly that. The employer has to lean into it, but so does the employee. And it has to be about being agile and you know being able to lean into where's the right place to be at the right time so that it's integrated with your 
your life but also it does great stuff for your business and so I think that debate has got muddled when we talk about hybrid a lot of people are talking about enforced working from home which is completely completely different I think the second thing is what COVID did was really rip off some of the you know sticking plasters that women had put on the world in order to be able to succeed at work so we surrounded ourselves with help whether it was you know help in the home help with children you know all the things that we needed to be able to spend time in the workplace were ripped away from us and what that did was unleash both a mental and a physical load on women that most men not all but most men didn't experience the actual you know keeping the household moving keeping the children cared for and keeping your job was a a female dominated issue and I think as we've come out of COVID what we've really realized is that we haven't solved any of the big barriers and big issues to women succeeding in life all we did was plaster over with different solutions so as we go forward post-COVID and particularly in our industry I really want to see us dismantle barriers rather than just go around them or climb over them. Let's take them down and make it different for the next generation of women. So would you say the barriers there really are around women and the big juggle of all of the different priorities that they have predominantly more on their shoulders, not entirely, but more on their shoulders than potentially men do? Yeah, I think there's a mental and a physical load that women carry that most men don't. And look, you know, I think men have also progressed it's not to say that there are no men sharing the load or trying to share the load but it it's not equal in any way and I, I would argue probably the vast majority of households it's not equal but I think what we also need to do as employers is really think through progression in a personalized way because male progression through the workforce is completely different to female and we have to think about some of the things that we've put in place you know for me one of the big you know b- barriers for women which has always been there is when you become a mother And I think maternity leave has improved across our industry. Uh, There are some agencies who could and should do better. They all know who they are. But across the industry, I think it has improved. But where we need to go to now is to think about what role can we play as an industry in normalising men sharing the load or indeed taking on the majority of the load in those early years. And so at Ketchum, for example, we have introduced family policy. So our male colleagues are entitled to just as much time off as our women are to go and take on caring responsibilities. We've had a man who recently took the first month off when his twins were born to support his wife and he's come back to work. And when she goes back to work, he's going to take another three months off so that she is supported. Now, that doesn't necessarily drive female progression in my business, but what it does is start to dismantle some of those societal issues that says if men can do that and women can get back to work when they want to without feeling the guilt of leaving a small baby in childcare, then I think that's the sort of barrier dismantlement we need to see. So I think there's so much research really that's shown we have to create parity between the male family role and the female family role in the workplace to ensure that we are actually going to see a level of equality. Would you agree with that, Jo? Oh, yeah, definitely. I think um, the more that we can do as agencies or in-house teams to ensure that we've got the right things in place, whether that's you know parental leave, whether that's family leave. Um, I mean, there's lots of different ways of having families this now right and I think we need to recognize that um, 
So yeah, I would 100% agree. And I think the other thing I'd love to see companies do is publish those policies as well. Um, now, if you're a, a woman um, of a certain age and you're going for an interview, you don't want to be asking in an interview, can you tell me what your family policies are? So if you could look at that in advance, so I'm a big believer um, in making sure that you know we equip women you know, with the right information so they know what they're signing up for. It does always feel like the thing that's slightly hidden in the cupboard, isn't it? And it sort of starts to get to the, this, once you've been sort of third interview to start to raise your head about, oh, what are your policies here that are going to allow me to have my family? So I can imagine that would be incredibly important and something I think you advocated for around the menopause policies that you brought in as well. We did, we, yeah, at Hope and Glory, we've advocated, well, actually, uh, yeah, we have it all on our website, all the policies that we have. And that's everything from fertility and um, conception all the way through to menopause. So every stage, and I think um, to Joanne's point, it's around recognising that everybody's journey is going to be different. Um, That whole thing about equity, not equality necessarily. It's like making sure that we've got the right things in place for the journey that that woman is is taking. And they're going to be different. Could you describe what you see as different between equity and equality? Definitely. Um, I mean, I think we've all for a long time talked about equality, um, and actually, I mean, you've probably seen there's been very good um, images and visuals that have been shared, particularly on LinkedIn and online. And I, I saw a great one today, which was uh, four people on a bicycle. And, you know, a tall person on a tiny bike doesn't work. They need a big bike. And a child can't really work on, you know, can't can't cycle on an enormous bike. They need a small bike. So it's adapting um, the policies that you need and the support that you need, depending on the circumstances for that person. I think that, for me, images probably <laughs> are doing it much more justice than I am with no, words. No, it makes but... sense. Sanjani, for you, how, how are you really feeling about gender equality in this kind of post-COVID era? Well, I think um, the stat that you started with, you know, we're 300 years away, um, is 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 pretty depressing um and and i've actually um in the last few months or at least in the in the latter half of um last year there's a there's been a lot of research that's saying women are leaving that the rate at which lead women leaders are leaving the workplace um has is much greater now so that that's not ideal um but i think you know after covid I completely um, agree with Joanne that it, it's it's a complex um, situation. It's it's not a yes, COVID was great for um, for women or, or not. But I do think one thing it did show is that flexible working or working away from the office is possible. And I think that opened a lot of doors for a lot of companies, not just in the UK, but globally, because I, I, I have a global role. So in many countries where, you know, working outside of the office wasn't even considered, and there would always be lots of excuses from management. Um, and actually, even at the body shop, I'm not going to name any teams, but there was a specific team that said, no, you need to be in the office because of the um, the equipment and, and you, you can't work elsewhere. But guess what? During COVID, they made it happen. So I think that for me, that's what really, uh, that was the really positive side of COVID, that all the excuses that had been made up till now kind of disappeared. And I think women are feeling more empowered saying, so, you know, when workplaces want to go back to the old paradigm or the way things used to be, they're standing up and saying, well, we're not going to stand for it because 
we've we've seen it can happen. So I, I'm not going to hang around if I, I'm getting flimsy excuses now. And so much of that was really based on trust, really saying that we could trust people to do their jobs and they didn't actually need to be present and watched, especially inside agencies. I think that was the really big issue that we had then. Coming back to um, maternity and the time that you have a baby and so forth, Joanne, very much kind of looking towards you here in terms of your policies and, and what you're kind of seeing across the industry. Out of interest, what is, if you're happy to say, what is Ketchum's maternity policy? Sure. So uh, we don't really have maternity policy. It's family right. policy. Yeah. So it's, Thank you. you know, Pulling me up on that. That's all right. It's uh, <laughs> it's the same for everybody at Ketchum. So you're eligible from day one. There's no eligibility period, and you get six months full pay. And you can take that all at once, or you can break it up and kind of do a few months, come back, take another few months. We also have a phased return to work uh, option. So if you want to come back a day, two days, and then build it up, that's fine too. We have a return to work bonus. So you get the equivalent of one month's full pay paid over three months as you return. Uh, and then we also have a number of different partners that you can tap into. So we have um, coaches who can help you to build up your confidence. We've got um, a returners community where you can kind of say, what did you do? What worked for you? What was the most challenging aspect? So you feel completely surrounded and supported uh, as you make that transition back into the workforce. But as I say, men are as equal to that as women are. And it's for biological uh, uh Adoption. adoption, surrogacy, you know, however your family is coming about, it's the same policy. Because that sounds like a fantastic set of policies. And I think that one of the biggest issues in agencies, especially, was the amount of women that they were then losing in those few years after coming back from maternity leave, where they tried to make it work, but then actually they just couldn't make it work, or were also making massive compromises in their ability to be promoted. And, you know, if there was that sort of attitude of, well, they weren't in the office, they had a day off type thing. It's outrageous. I have come across that <laughs> myself times. Um, and, you know, where that's really leaving women, do you think? But I think there's a piece here about those of us who have done it or are doing it, leading by example and talking about our experiences. You know, I, I've had two children over the last six and a half years. I've also had two promotions over the last six and a half years. And I balance for me perfectly, like perfectly, it's probably an extreme. Well, <laughs> home Amazing. and work, right? Yeah. I, I feel good when I'm at home. I feel good when I'm at work. But, you know, one of the things I did when I came back first time was I, I talked to my head of HR, Kirsty, and I was like, women are embarrassed about going to pick up their children. Like, and I had saw senior female colleagues of mine before I had children being like, oh, I've got to go to a meeting at like five o'clock. And I was like, you're not going to a meeting. You're going to pick up your children. Like, why do you feel yeah. ashamed of there being was a stigma. honest about mm -hmm. that? Yeah. And so when I came back the first time, I had this policy of leaving loudly. Now, you all know me quite well. I leave loudly from, arrive loudly from most places. But when I was, we chose a nursery. So there was no kind of nanny that you could quickly extend. So in the two or three days a week where I was on pickup, I had to leave at five o'clock when we were in the office the majority of the time. And so I would be packing up loudly saying, I am going to pick up Kier. And like the number of younger women who came and said to me, it's amazing that you're just, like that simple thing of just normalizing yeah. that as a working mum and as a senior leader, it's fine to put your boundaries in place and go get your children and be comfortable with that. I, I do think actually that whole loud, being loud 
is a really, really good thing. I mean, we, we have a, um, a culture of oversharing, I'm sure. <laughs> I particularly have a culture of oversharing um, at Hope and Glory. But um, yeah, it's very much about, you know, if you have to go for mammogram, you tell people. If you have to, you know, if you're feeling a bit hot because it's the menopause, you tell people. Um, and until you voice some of these things, they're never going to get talked about. Or normalised. Normalised. Um, and I think it's really important. And we've always said if you've got a nativity play to go to or you've got to leave or you've got to get to at, you know home to parents' evening, go and talk about what you're doing because until you do that, people don't realise that there are role models in, you know, in their businesses that they can look up to and, and realise that not, that behaviour is 100% normal. So this is quite a big shift in agency culture. I'm thinking to you, Sanjani, in-house where I, I know that, you know, a lot of these practices have actually been happening for years. And I've spoken to, you know, in-house uh, clients and colleagues where they've been a bit shocked actually about some of the kind of archaic behaviours of agencies that are definitely now <laughs> shifting on. Um, <laughs> I remember meeting the chair of Diageo at one point, just aghast at the lack of flexible working and so forth. Um, but this was a few years ago. A lot has changed in the last few years. Um, at the body shop, you know, ha- how are you managing um, both uh, maternity leave and supporting women when they've had children? Yeah, I mean, I would say um, my because I used to be at agency side and, and you know, now I'm in-house and in-house, the, f- the flexibility and the openness um, for, for, for women, you know, needing to do school pickups, et cetera, is, is, is so much more than it was at agency. It was when, when I was at agency, it was really um, looked down upon. Um, we have a shared um, parental um, policy at the body shop, and it's actually advertised quite a lot internally. So, you know, when we have town halls, there's reminders to people and um, the uptake is, has been brilliant. And, and I, I agree. I think shared parental um, responsibility, especially at a workplace, will really help with the equality. So it's not just looked at as oh, I'm hiring a woman and therefore she'll disappear. Uh, you know, at least both will disappear for, for, for a period of time. Um, we have a really good policy um, for, for women coming back. And actually, in the, in the wider team um, that I'm in, we've had uh, the last few returnees from maternity have all come back to promotions. Um, so it's and, and actually, that has been a really good kind of put your money where your mouth is and a really good role model, because I think people are, you know, People are still worried about going on maternity, but there's been such a great example set at the body shop about you can come back and actually get promoted. Um, so that's been brilliant. And I think in terms of, you know, going and picking up your children, we have in our team, we've got various mothers. Um, some some um, don't work every second Monday. Some don't work on Thursdays. But we have a we know what every single person's schedule is. And then when we're organizing team meetings, we just we we manage that. We don't have any meet any team meetings before ten because we know everyone needs to do their pickups. So it's it's really flexible. And you know the the mothers I've spoken to say that it's it's been a dream over here. So it sounds like. You three are all leading amazing organisations that are very supportive of women. But I don't think we can look away from the fact that the pregnant then screwed um, situation is still true. 
And, you know, there are, you know, lots of, I'm sure we've all got stories that we possibly can't talk about who and where and how, but we've all got stories in the industry of uh, women going back to work and their jobs not being really there for them, having to compete to get that job back effectively because it's effectively just disappeared during the time that they've been away, feeling that they can't leave work and, you know, be overt about the fact that they are going to pick up their children. I I know of a number of uh, former colleagues who've gone in-house and say that they'd never go back to agency because of its inability to really support um, women and uh, really being a mother. Um, So, you know, where do we think we are as an industry, Jan? I'm looking at you here. A a litmus on the real industry and what's really going on. What do we think? Yeah, I think think those of us who are progressive and leading from the front are small. I think that's true. And it's the same agencies who are held up in this regard over and over and over again. And I think this is where I'm going to put Joe on the spot slightly as our new president of Women <laughs> in PR. You know, when I was on the committee of Women in PR with uh, a couple of years ago, my frustration with the organisation is we didn't show enough teeth. Like we yeah. weren't aggressive enough on some of these big, big issues and holding to account some of these agencies maybe it doesn't necessarily have to be publicly, but we need to start being slightly more aggressive, slightly more demanding of the change that we need to see. I think women in PR have got a role to play. I think PR Week have got a role to play. Uh, in terms of we a louder can't... feminist voice, yeah. it sounds and, like, and also just not. We all know we could all when this gets switched off, we can all name the names of the agencies or the leaders or the behaviours that are really unacceptable and really are holding back women in our industry. But there's a fear of actually calling that out, either to them privately or publicly, and we're only going to see significant industry-wide change if we are brave enough to do that. Yeah, and, you know, I'm, you know, we're very happy to bare our teeth. I mean, I've got big enough teeth, but... Um, <laughs> I, uh, I I agree. I think um, we, you know, women in PR, particularly if I, if I have my women in PR hat on, I mean, that's an organisation that's been campaigning for 60 years. I mean, this, this debate has been going on a very long time. Um, and I think, you know, it is a campaigning organisation. They did some great work um, last year, before my time, around ageism. You know, we know that's a, a kind of a very kind of a growing concern about, how, you know, where are the role models, where are the women in their 40s and 50s? Uh, that other women can can see and, and think, you know, I can have a career throughout my, you know, I can be in PR from the age of 20 to the age of 70 if I want to be. Um, and I think that was great, but there are other issues that we need to be um, very forthright about. And at the moment, you know, I'm blessed to work with some very talented women on the committee. We are spending time thinking, you know, where are the right, what are the right things to be, you know, picking a fight over. And it is picking a fight. You have to pick a fight. I suppose it's all about your ability to be able to hold that mirror up as well, isn't it? And actually, rather than sort of in that very sort of, I mean, PR people are very good at PR and managing their own, you know, reputation within within the industry. It's where you get underneath the skin and deal with the real issues that are happening that people don't necessarily publicly want to give voice to. And, and it's how you're going to... Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Facilitate that. Yeah. And I think a lot of that will be talking to the cohorts of women that we already work with, so the people that we mentor. Um, we have a shadow committee now, women in their kind of 20s and 30s here at the beginning of their careers. You know, what are the things they're seeing that they want to change? Um, you know, the, our cohort of women, you know, the 45 over 45 that were identified last year, you know, what are the things that they want to see change? And then I think overlay that with some research because you're right, we have to go deep. We have to really find out what it is because we could gloss over it, couldn't we, if, we, if we're not careful? Well, the data and the kind of, I don't know, the stakeholder interviews and all of those sorts of things that can really give a voice and give light to some of these issues. Because what we don't want is a situation where we can definitely see there's change happening. But we also know through our own personal experience and stories that we know of fellow colleagues in the industry that the two are not necessarily matching up. And I suppose only when we deal with that truth can we actually then manage the level of change that I think we possibly all know is necessary. Yeah, I agree. You have to be able to voice it, right? And I think in every, and there are issues at different decades. I mean, for me, I've been very, very blessed. I've had 30 years doing PR and uh, have managed to navigate that, you know, with two children and, you know, starting my own agency and that type of thing. Um, but a lot of women fall out of our industry. Way too many people fall out. And I think we need to know what is it in the 20s that, that, that they're having to deal with, what is it in their 30s, their 40s, their 50s, and, and dismantle each of those um, issues and barriers. So looking at ageism, how are we feeling about ageism in this industry? Because it has been a shocker, really, hasn't it? Over, <laughs> you know, I hear so many women who say, oh, shoot me if I'm still here at 50, right, in this industry, especially within the agency world. How, how do you feel that is changing? Do we feel that we're actually embracing the wisdom, the knowledge, the experience of people who are obviously, you know, been in the industry for 20 years? Sanjani, how... how how are you feeling about this issue? And, and I, maybe it's a slightly different sort of coal face, as it were, inside the body shop. Yeah, I think it, it it's, um, again, you know, when I was at agency, it was very much a young culture. And there was always chat about, oh, so and so, did you know how old they are? And and then that gets ingrained in you. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, it's quite sad, isn't it? <laughs> That's shocking. <laughs> it is a bit. <laughs> it is a bit. But that kind of gets ingrained in you and you learn, you know, your mind starts um, treating that as, as, as a behavior and it wasn't until I came in house and I said you know well that's that's absolute rubbish um, but I think you know because you're surrounded by that kind of thinking in agencies um, I think it affects you a little bit more whereas in-house there is the, the age um, 
of, of an in-house or, or an organization is much more varied. Whereas when you're at an agency, the whole agency is so much younger. So I think it's easier to feel out of place um, at an agency. Whereas when you're working in a bigger organization, when it's not just PR, but it's a whole spectrum of departments, you you don't feel it as much at all. And I think for, for me, in my PR career, I, I definitely don't um, feel like there is a glass ceiling in terms of age. Do you think from an agency perspective, it's also driven by the client brief I mean, there's sort of a client obsession with a certain age and therefore understanding culturally like what the zeitgeist is who the latest influencers are and so forth and feeling on the edge of that um culturally was what was driving that really sort of dominance of young people inside agency i think it has in the past i mean i think we are um you know we were obsessed by the millennial audience we're now obsessed by gen z um, and there is a little bit of a drive for, you know, who are the, who are that community listening to, following, you know, and you need to be very, you need to keep yourself very kind of up to date on that. But I, I think what we're also finding is that there is a, you know, a couple of things really. One is that women in their 40s and 50s are now becoming a, I guess, a segmentation or an audience in their own right. And I think progressive brands are realizing they have a lot of spending power. An increasing uh, number of role models with louder voices in definitely, that, in that yeah. space, looking at people like Carol Vorderman, Davina, and Absolutely. so forth, actually coming out and addressing their issues. There's definitely new role models in society. Definitely. And I think there are brands realizing that you ignore that at your peril. Um, and I think there is a role then of older women in our industry who can say, well, I know exactly what that feels like to be in that position and who can give good insight and good intelligence. Then the other thing is that our clients want senior counsel. Um, they want, um, you know, yes, they might be obsessed with youth to a degree, but equally, um, you know, when you're, you're back against the wall a little bit and, there, and there's an issue, you want someone who's been through it and who will be able to say, yeah, you know what, this is what we need to do. And I think that comes with experience. You, you don't necessarily know that when you're 25. You're probably more likely to know it when you're 45 because you've just seen it and done it multiple, multiple times before. But there's still the, the structure is quite triangle isn't it and it's triangle also around age isn't it with the most seniors at the top and all the way down to the majority of the workforce being younger would you say yeah but I think part of that is a infrastructure issue we have in our industry because you know you look at other organizations you look at our client organizations you know Sanjani made a perfect point about the structure of the body shop or a bank or you know an FMCG company they're in the middle ranks. You've got loads of middle-aged people. You know, it's perfectly acceptable to be 50 and in middle management. You've achieved something great in your career. But in our industry, if you're not the managing director by the time you're 25, you've failed. And so there's this idea you have to be promoted every year that it's a young person's game, that if you're not constantly chasing that next level in the agency, you're somehow not good at your job or irrelevant and I think there's a piece that we need to fundamentally change our attitudes and our workforce attitudes it is amazing if you are a brilliant account director at 45 that's something to be proud of that you've achieved that and that you're great at it but right now there's this sort of I mean I, I was like talking to Joe about this like a f probably about maybe it must be about six years ago now there was an interview at Ketchum where someone was interviewed for a job who was in their 40s and it was an account director job and everybody was shocked. Yeah, what's wrong with you? Like, why? It can't be that good. And I, and I, at the time, was like, what are you talking about? 
Like, she was great. I mean, actually great in the interview because all the point you made, Joe, huge amounts of experience. And that's what she loved doing was that role. She didn't want to go into the more senior ranks and have more responsibility, et cetera, et cetera. So normalising that. So you do have different ages. I mean, can you imagine like a 30-year-old applying for an entry position in our industry? People would be horrified. So there's a piece here which is about fundamentally shifting norms again that you like we need to like break down those barriers because then we will have a more diverse workforce in terms of age because all the older people don't all have to be the senior management then you do have different layers throughout the organization and the work will be better as a result i remember when i found out that the average age of an entrepreneur starting up a business was 50 and it really shocked me because there's such a trend isn't there and this you know you'd probably be done by now and on your earn out and probably on your way to barbados i would have thought <laughs> That was the dream probably in 1982. Um, but yeah, so so definitely the, that the sort of normalization of being successful really young and that actually you were put out to pasture when you were older was is is definitely there. I can definitely see that. So how how are we going to change that? And also I think there's very much that sort of idea that there's a young culture and the reason you come and work at this agency is because it's young and it's vibrant and we go out and we get smashed and we have fun and it's all that kind of stuff. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I, th- I really think that's changing. Do you? Yeah, definitely. And I think, um, I think it's very much linked into the kind of inclusivity piece that that's not how people want to spend their time. They don't want to go out and drink. Um, and I think that's a really good thing for our industry that we are, you know, there are different people from different ages, different backgrounds, are coming into PR and they're, they're challenging those norms and they're saying that that doesn't work for me. Uh, it might be because you're a parent and you've got a drop up, you know, a pickup. It may be that you don't drink. Well, the uh, culture and alcohol, I mean, we've all, it was changed. massive, wasn't yeah. it? So do you, have you really seen a shift around that? It's incredibly change. positive. Yeah. yeah. Totally. I, I definitely was brought up in the drinking era of PR. Um, but the, the last few people who've joined my team um, as interns or um, as managers I mean they come to work with their green juices and they talk there and then they rush out of work to go to the gym and I was I was I was baffled because I you know I've only reached that level of maturity now but um, I definitely I definitely see it in younger people they just have way different priorities and it's it's so refreshing to see so an increasing level of work life balance you would say and a focus on health and mental health because I suppose that's something we've also not touched on is that you know the it's not just in PR I mean there's a you know an explosion of mental health issues across society and especially post-COVID but there have been some shocking you know surveys that have come through about mental health issues um, within the PR industry and the communications industry and I suppose it kind of leads into ageism and it kind of leads into the female issue as well because the pace and the demands of what is required in this industry. I mean, it is pretty relentless, isn't it? Especially within an agency, you know, environment, especially in an economic downturn, competing for new business, et cetera, et cetera. Um, You know, gone are the days when, you know, it was nice lunches and so forth. And, (laughs) you know, business has changed because technology has advanced the speed at which we all need to move. Is it is it possible to keep up this level of pace inside agencies as you get older? Joe, I'm looking at you. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah. I mean, you're right. I think technology has a lot, a big part to play, right? And, and everything has sped up. And I think we do have to occasionally put the brakes on and, and, and actually say, you know what? I'm not going to reply to that instantaneously. That that can wait. I'll come back to you on that tomorrow. And, and I think, I mean, we're all, always telling our team 
slow it down, you know, because we we work very quickly. Um, well, email culture in a client service business is is a real challenge, isn't it? And also when um, you know, working with big teams, it was extraordinary. You'd sit next to people, wouldn't you? And everyone would be sending emails to each other rather than actually speaking to each other. And therefore the overwhelm of admin and so forth became really, really challenging. Um, so you're trying to get people to slow down. And, and are you therefore also talking about your clients about, you know, how fast you'd respond to emails and so forth? Because it was just, you got a bit out of control at some point, didn't it? When people had like, did you get my email? I was like, it was half an hour ago. <laughs> I think, I mean, that was a downside of COVID because we're all working at home. And, you know, for a period of time, it wasn't quite as busy as it had been before. And so we were all replying, you know, straight away to WhatsApps and emails Slack messages, and I think um, when we came back out of COVID, I think yeah, we we definitely had to talk to you know the team about you don't that's that shouldn't that's an unrealistic expectation, and then you have to talk to your clients and say look we can't we're not there waiting for your every email we have to get on with the job of delivering the campaign and that will mean going on recce, doing shoots, writing materials we we can't be available every second of the day so I think we've had to change um, some expectations there and how is that going because I can imagine junior account execs being really stressed about that when they've got an inbox that's full and they've got all of those things that they need to do it, how how are you managing to shift that culture because I can it, it's just embedded in this industry isn't it yeah I mean it's going to take time and but I don't think it's a junior thing I mean I feel I mean I feel stressed if I've got a day when I've got back-to-back meetings and I know my inbox is full um, I feel like I've got, to, I've got to look at it. I've got to make sure I've got to know what's in there before the next day. And then I have to give myself a good talking to and think, no, you know what? It will wait. It if it wait. was that important, somebody would call me. Yeah, it would find me, wouldn't it? The, the important thing is find you. Yes. Sanjani, how have you found it going into it? So from, from an agency world, everybody goes, oh, you go in house. It's all just so much better and easier. <laughs> would you would you say that's been your, obviously can't comment in detail personally, but would you say that you've, had a very different experience culturally around the pace and expectations and the kind of, the, I suppose, the, the stress that can be involved in this job? Well, no, not really, because um, when you go in-house, you just have a new set of challenges and a, and a new set of audiences. So every department becomes your audience and everyone, you know, is still vying for your attention. Um, I would say, though, that, and, and maybe it is harder at an agency, but I think the change has to come from within. It's it's it can be as busy in house as it can be at agency, but I have had you know I I've, I've uh, had the fortune of having a wonderful boss who really teaches us um, as a team about self love, and um, she and and I know it sounds really wishy washy, but her her whole point is, if you have enough confidence and faith in yourself and you love yourself enough. Um, like you were saying, Joe, you you have to give yourself that talking to know it doesn't matter, but take away the fear. So what what she's ha- like embedded in our team is if an email goes unanswered, or if um, something doesn't get completed by deadline, or if a project fails, it's not the end of the world. Um, and I think that's that's the kind of um, that that's what's helping um, you know get the kind of getting out of the whole email thing. So I, I really think it comes down to personality because I've worked, my current boss does not email after six and does not email at weekends. But my previous boss 
you'd come back, you'd come on a Monday and there'd be 20 emails. So I think it is it's very changeable, but it's, it's all about you having the integrity with yourself to, to stop the noise. We have so many world problems around us right now. And I think the view is that the only way that we're going to deal with so many of our societal and climate issues are by embracing feminine values. Uh, feminine values that, again, you know, need to exist in business and, and embraced not just by women, but by men. And obviously, therefore, self-care, self-love, empowerment, you know, not being in a constant position of fear and therefore that driving your behavior. How are we doing as an industry in terms of kind of walking into that that place that needs to happen? And how much do we think that the female leaders of, of PR are driving that? Joe, I'm looking at you again. But <laughs> um, I, um, it's an interesting one. I, I think there's been a lot of change over the last 10, 15 years. I think there are a lot of very inspiring female leaders in our industry. And I think a lot of them do have what I'd call an abundance mindset. And I think in the past, there was this scarcity thing that, you know, I've fought to get to where I've got to. So I'm going to keep down anybody else who tries to take my role because that's very threatening. I think that's completely changed. I think we've rewritten it. And, and I'm, I'm personally, I'm looking for opportunities for the women around me who, so they can do my job so I can go and do other interesting things, you know, in terms of being more curious, keep relevant, look at, you know, new elements of my job that will keep me interested. And I think, um, I think there has been a move towards looking at how women can help other women. Um, I know it's a bit of a cliche, but that idea of, you know, if we, you know, let's all rise together, let's help each other. And I, I definitely see that more now than I did when I was growing up in this industry. Which is so much better because I'm sure we've all come into this industry a few years ago now where we could all see those women that felt like they had to be men. Very much that kind of Thatcher kind of very much, you know, I've risen to the top of this patriarchy. I figured out how to do it and you need to follow me and do it my way. Right. That's definitely there. Jo Joanne, would you say that's changing? And would you can you see a shift potentially towards more feminine based values in, in our industry? I think in some some parts, not not entirely. I mean, I definitely have seen the shift in the generosity of female leaders. I think as I was growing up, actually female leaders were some of the most unkind to women yeah. some of the people who really drove me forward and gave me opportunities were men and I would agree with that <laughs> and so I've I totally agree with Joe that there's been a fundamental shift as I look at the female leaders across you know the agency world like they are all I think all now I'm trying to think of one that isn't and I can't that's a great sign generous want other women to succeed so collaborative you know it might not be seen publicly, but when any of us are having a tough time or something's happened, we rally around each other and we support each other. And there's that real sense of camaraderie and we're all in it together. I do think as an industry, we're still dominated by senior men. Like whether you look at our trade body, whether you look at you know some of the top agencies, uh, as you look at the top 10 list, there's still a dominance Definitely male, white and largely grey haired I would say aren't they yeah yeah and you know I'm not sure that they are embracing feminine values in the way that we might like so thinking forward in terms of um women in PR and your new presidency Joe. what are your key focuses I mean do you even know yet I know you're only a month in <laughs> and it's mine if you don't show more so, teeth Joe. show more teeth yeah. <laughs> there's gonna be a lot of teeth coming but no um I mean we are as a uh, as I said earlier you know, it's very much a collective endeavor and the 
the new committee are meeting up and talking about what do we do next. But I mean, I think the fundamentals are the same. We're about mentoring. We're about um, networking and campaigning, campaigning for the issues that, that really matter. Um, so a lot of that will be planned. Um, we'll continue doing um, stuff around ageism. That's been a, a big topic for us over the last 12 months. That will continue. But I'm very excited about the shadow committee as well, because I think there's a lot that we can learn almost from a v- reverse mentoring perspective. You know, what are the, the issues that they're seeing uh, in agency? You know, is it changing quickly enough? Um, you know, the everyday sexism, the racism, the things that they're having to deal with, perhaps on the front line, that we need to take away and think, okay, how do we fundamentally um, dismantle that and help them? Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I think there will be... Sounds like an exciting agenda with a lot of work to do. Oh, wish, it, yeah. wish you the best with it. So I think just finally, I mean, there's just so much here that we could continue to talk about. And I'd love to have the off the record conversation about this subject as well at some point. Um, but just thinking about if there was one thing you think this industry needs to do to uh, make it a better place for women to work and thrive in, what would that be? So Sanjani, can I hand over to you? What, what would be the one thing that you think needs to happen? Um, I would say that a mindset shift of um, competition is the old paradigm and collaboration is the new paradigm. Fantastic. I would totally agree with that, <laughs> Joanne. I think we brave are in calling out and dealing with the fundamentally poor behaviour that still exists. And Joe, And I would say overshare and keep talking about the things that we are all experiencing whether that's calling it out or just be you know the the fundamental things that happen if you're a woman you know whether that's periods whether that's pregnancy whether that's menopause because until we talk about it we're not going to change it and that's also expressing a level of vulnerability that I think people have struggled with in this industry would you agree I agree yeah yeah so thank you so much, ladies. What just a vibrant and brilliant conversation and one that I'd love to continue again. So thank you so much for, for joining us and hopefully this will be a great year for women ahead of us. And of course, we wish Joe uh, the very best of luck in your new role as president of Women in PR. So thank you so much to all of you. And, and of course, that just brings us to the end of this week's show. Thank you so much to everybody for listening and we look forward to you joining us next time. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 